me pone un, un épotes. Si tú no quieres hablar conmigo, dímelo para yo no llamarte ni molestarte, porque nada más quedaba tú. Real talk. Real people. Real stories. The He's Just Podcast. Yeah! Welcome, everyone, to another He's Just Podcast. I'm your host and founder of the He's Just a Social Worker Movement, Jules Dujay, with another amazing show for you this afternoon. But before we get started, I want to remind everyone that this platform was built because too often, as people, we were overlooked and we were labeled and put in boxes. Our plight and our fight is for anyone and everyone who feels a need to be understood. We are strong as individuals, but unstoppable when we unite. Today's guest is Dr. Angel Abraham. She is amazing in so many ways. She is a doctor of natural medicine. She's been practicing family medicine in Connecticut. Her designation is naturopathic, and that type of medicine is the area of healing on its own. Medicine that offers evidence-based holistic treatments. It includes involving diet therapies, herbal or botanical supplement protocols, cellular and whole body detox guidance, as well as incredible microbiome, micronutrient and cellular stress testing. She sees adults of all ages and her specialty tends towards reversing metabolic conditions like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, weight gain, and diabetes. She also sees many people who have chronic fatigue, bowel disorders, and her office takes insurance and provides self-pay options. You can check with her provider and company to see if your insurance is accepted. Not only is she amazing as a provider, she is humble in her practice and great with everyone that she touches. We are so lucky to have her here with you. Here she is, Dr. Angel Abraham. Welcome, Dr. Abraham. Oh, thank you. Hello. <laughs> it's nice to be here. Love your intro. You made it sound really good. Naturopathic medicine is cool. We are we are we are thrilled because on this on this platform we often find ourselves discussing mental health. Mm -hmm. and how health correlates with that. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got into your practice? Sure. Um, I guess from an early age, I felt quite different than other people. I was usually very tired and um, depressed, I would say. I don't know. Looking back, I can't say, but definitely a mental health component in my life. I was a lot of that tiredness came from school. Um, and eventually towards the maybe my late twenties, early thirties, when I really got into, um, really got into my practice, I realized that I wasn't the same as everyone else. The way that I thought through things wasn't the same. Um, I had time management difficulties and I was always very stressed out and anxious. And looking back, I know that I chose naturopathic medicine because of how it, how it would serve me in a way that conventional medicine hadn't. 
I remember going to my primary care when I was young and my mom, I would always complain to my mom, like, I'm tired, I'm tired. But when they took me to the primary care, um, even as a, as a young adult in my 20s, they were just like, well, there's nothing wrong with you. Um, we've checked everything that we can check. And really, I can't see anything on your lab. So you're probably just tired. And um, as I went through my nutrition master's even the, and my naturopathic training, they gave us a lot of information about meditation, about mental health, about what that meant, what what normal function looked like, what it didn't look like. And um, through that process of understanding how to change our neurology, I really did find that I have alleviated all a lot of symptoms um, of ADHD and of depression and of anxiety. And I know that I gained that knowledge by applying naturopathic principles. So I didn't know it at the time. I thought I was just going into a field for whatever reason. I didn't know why I was picking it. But now looking back in hindsight, I know I picked it because I love psychology. And it was one of my undergraduate studies. And I really did understand the impact that my own mind was having on my behavior, but I couldn't articulate it. I couldn't verbalize it. And I didn't know what to do about it. And now as a naturopathic doctor with all of the understanding that I have about how our bodies work, just observing ourselves and understanding that we create electricity through our bodies like that, that can be supported. And so, yeah, hindsight, I have always had a mental health component of my life and going through naturopathic medical school, I really found answers to that. And now I help other people get those answers too. And, and we are, we are um, delighted to, to, to have you here on our platform because there are many times that many people from our communities often struggle to understand what are the healthy paths that they can take and many a times we go the conventional route and like you mentioned there could be times that that becomes tedious not that their problems won't be solved but sometimes they regulate to medication and to different things specifically i wanted to ask there is a difference between homeopathic and naturopathic. Can you help us understand that a bit? Because even I didn't really understand the two and what are the differences, if you could help us learn. Yes, absolutely. So um, homeopathic medicine is, is its own system, philosophy, approach to medicine. Um, much like you have Ayurvedic medicine or traditional Chinese medicine, they all have different philosophies, but the aim is very much the same is to adjust, is to understand someone from a biopsychosocial perspective, move their energy, get their natural healing processes moving. So homeopathy is one way to approach that ultimate goal that medicine has is to get someone healing from their problems um, or their conditions. Naturopathic medicine is the same idea as all of those. Like we want to stimulate the healing processes. We do that in many different ways. Just like a hand has five fingers, one of those fingers for a naturopath will be homeopathy. We also do some, you know, like botanical medicine and we do herbal medicine, herbal botanical medicine and nutraceutical medicine. All of those modalities are like, fingers that we have to just help a person get to where they need to go. So we do, naturopaths uh, do integrate homeopathy into their practices. A lot of them do. 
Some of them don't, but it's just another option that naturopaths can use to help shift someone's healing mechanisms. So there are there are straight homeopaths too, people who don't practice naturopathic medicine, but their whole life, their bread and butter is homeopathic medicine. You know, it feels like people are more receptive to the alternative medicine route now. And I don't know if that's a combination of people understanding how to protect their bodies, they're thinking healthier, but can you speak to some of the benefits of utilizing naturopathic medicine as an alternative versus the conventional of it? Sure. So I think, I think conventional medicine is a beautiful thing. Um, antibiotics, for instance, for people who are in the hospital and they have super high blood pressure that's about to kill them, or they, they really need an emergency intervention. Um, conventional medicine is great. So I'm not one of those people who's trying to knock it or tell you, you shouldn't do it. That's not inside of me. But um, with holistic medicine or naturopathic medicine, naturopathic medicine specifically, not everything needs a drug. Like not everything needs an emergency intervention or a really high, high force intervention like medication can be. Because as we know, medication comes with side effects. It's just, and it's just, it's unavoidable. So natural medicine can be a much gentler way of going about things, especially if someone's, you know, blood pressure issue, diabetes, their obesity, their, um, their, you know, depression, their anxiety, whatever is caused by a like imbalance in their diet, or if they're not getting the right nutrition, if they don't have the right structure and foundation to their life, then naturally those things are going to become present in someone's life. So working on that foundational health can be very much an, a more naturopathic approach than conventional medicine would take, where your doctor doesn't have really time to talk to you about nutrition. A naturopath, that's, that's the foundation. We're always going to talk to you about nutrition. We're going to talk to you about sleep. We're going to talk to you about drinking water. We're going to talk to you about natural ways to like get yourself detoxing and get your liver working more prop like properly, get your sweat glands open, get you pooping every day, get you breathing better. Those things are the foundation to a healthy metabolism. So if we can do those things, if we can shift that for someone, if we can get them eating right, sleeping right, drinking water, taking time for themselves, addressing their mental health, getting them with getting them more socially conscious about their ways of communicating and interacting with people then we can pretty much change anything down the line. Mm. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. to me, to me is interesting because we are now living in an age where you get someone to visit you at your practice uh -huh. and, and you recommend something and, and, and the patient is Googling whatever mm -hmm. the provider said, mm -hmm. you know, are you finding yourself seeing the same amount of patients or types where you're just dealing with upper respiratory? Because to me, it sounds like when someone begins to worry more about what their potential health outlook is, this mm -hmm. can be other areas. Can you speak to that a bit? Oh, heck yeah. Like when people come to me, a lot of them have been Googling or they've been on a really long journey and they won't even realize how long that journey has been. Because we do such a thorough intake, our first appointment with a patient is an hour, sometimes an hour and a half. 
And the reason for that is because we need like a full medical history. We need to know what that patient was having when they were a kid to what they're having now and how that all connects and where we can change it and where we, where we might not have as much luck changing it. We really like to integrate everything we can about a patient to get them the right course of action. And I think that's paramount to the question that you asked. Yeah, yeah because there are many times, no, no, and no, thank you for that. Because I think that what I'm, what I'm, what I'm leaning towards, um, I know that there is a movement for mm -hmm. people to look for alternative ways. I have mm -hmm. spoken to many people. I don't have, you know, the number of people off the top of my head, but I do know that many people are more health conscious about doing what's right for them and they feel empowered. And this mm -hmm. is what I think is most attractive about your practice and how you solve problems health-wise for patients. My thing was many a times when people, as you mentioned, are on this journey, mm -hmm. they get caught up into more anxious related to, you know, situations that yes. can prompt them to say, yeah, I have this, but it's that. Are you seeing that now other things are popping up for them? Maybe it's the length of time that they last mm -hmm. trying to solve their issues, tired of doing this, mm -hmm. and they're redundant and getting the same answers with no resolve. And that's where I was going. Is there a scenario yeah. where you're seeing, now I came in with a upper respiratory, now this is now morphed into now anxiety, depression, and so on. Yes. And um, I mean, we see that with a lot of long haul COVID, as people say, like they have all of these changes in their body um, all of a sudden after having a viral illness. Now that's not specific to COVID. We know that in children, there are children whose trans their, their personalities transform after they get a certain type of infection or if their body never kicked it. And now they have this inflammation in their mind. Um, this is not just a long haul COVID problem, but I do think because the discussion around mental health and, you know, being your optimal self and not dealing, just going about your day, dealing with the pain, dealing with the, you know, tiredness, dealing with the fatigue and just shoving it down inside of ourselves and moving on because we have that conversation now, especially after COVID where people were, you know, were given, some of them were given a break and some of them were not like some people got to just take a moment for themselves and have some time to really reflect because they were stuck in their homes. They were stuck with their family. Mm -hmm. They had a chance to reflect and listen to these. In, like one thing about like Instagram and social media is that they do present more voices. So these people who got to stay at home and, and like hear the voices more about health and healing. Mm -hmm. And even the people who didn't get a break, who realized like so much about the way that diseases spread and how at risk we always are. I think both types of people have, have been given an opportunity to start voicing that these things have been wrong with me for a long time. And now I want more information about that. I you want know, to know so, what's happening. You know, it's super interesting. As we were chatting yesterday, we were talking about the differences between homeopathic and naturopathic, right? And then you helped me understand that this was born from Germany. It's not Eastern mm -hmm. medicine. Do you have any background on that? Could you share with us about that? Sure. Yeah. Naturopathic medicine. I can't remember exactly who it was. And uh, my, my philosophy teacher for naturopathic school will kill me, but I just, uh, I don't remember. I know that it started in 
in um, Germany, I'm pretty sure. There were a lot of German influences. There was Sebastian Kniep who was doing hydrotherapy, which is water therapy for curing diseases. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had a lot of influence from Benedict Lust, who did uh, more like natural therapies. Like, And then we had influences from um, the eclectic medicine, which is or physiotherapy, which is a lot of sun, water, air treatment. So we have these big groups of um, influences that eventually became naturopathic medicine. But they weren't necessarily like Eastern. There was no traditional Chinese medicine. They had their own. There was no Ayurveda. They had their own. But like all of these, I think, more European types of healing modalities became naturopathic medicine. Mm. Thank mm -hmm. you for shining a light on that. Talk to us a little bit about plant-based treatment. I know a lot of people eating healthier now. I Love think people that. Making, yeah, people are making a move to exercise and do the right things. Could you tell us a little bit about the benefits of plant-based nutrition? Oh, yeah. yeah. Some of the go-to foods that people can have access to to kind of support some of that? Oh, I love that. Okay, so... Um, some of the best things that we can do for ourselves being plant-based is eating as much fiber as humanly possible for ourselves. And there's really no way to overdo it on fiber. And fiber only comes in whole plant-based foods. Like you have to be eating like beans and grains and fruit and vegetables. Like I think people have really maligned fruit and I think it's important, even if you're a diabetic, to have low sugar fruits because they're full of fiber. Um, people have really maligned grains and beans. And I think that's that's a problem, too, because um, beans are one of the healthiest foods that you can eat. And if you live in the Bridgeport Stratford community, beans are like one of the staple foods of our diet. So it's important to increase the amount of beans that you're eating. It not only saves money, but it also comes with less risk of like um, pesticides and all of that. They're dried beans that have been grown inside of a bean thing. So you're pulling those beans out. They've been somewhat protected. So it's more organic. It's more um, less risk of toxicity. And it's incredibly healthy for your blood sugar. It's incredibly healthy for your blood pressure. It's incredibly healthy for your heart because it comes with antioxidants and fiber. And so just eating more beans, eating more fruit, those things can be an incredible help. And if I can speak to why fiber is so important is because our gut microbiome, which is such a big conversation right now, is like how your gut affects every aspect of your health. The only thing that your gut bacteria, which are technically probiotics, um, they eat is fiber. So if you're not feeding them fiber, they have nothing to eat, then you're, you're going to have to waste your money on a probiotic supplement. But if you are just conscious about eating more fiber and um, eating the right kinds of fiber, which is all of those plant food fibers, um, you will grow those gut bacteria and they will create anti-inflammatory chemicals. They will create um, happy and healthy mind hormones. Like all of that stuff happens in the gut. So that's my spiel on healthy foods and fiber. <laughs> no, that not only do I think that you bring up a great point, but you touch something on culture. And I know being raised in a Latino home, my mom, our staple is always rice, beans, and chicken, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's our go-to meal. And many a times um, nowadays I find people forgetting how mm -hmm. 
cost effective this is mm -hmm. and how many great things you can make using yeah. beans. Yeah. Because you can do the cans for salads, you can do different ways. Yeah. And we think that that's super important. If you could, you know, after this, and we can post on our website, some of these go-to foods, that would be amazing yes. for our listeners to kind of take advantage. Why do you think that there's still like great areas with the FDA about supporting, you know, these evidence-based practice results? And, and how does that impact your work? Uh, I think um, it's really hard to say because medicine is so politicized. Like it has such a political aspect to it that it's hard to understand what they're trying to do. So mm -hmm. I think, I mean, the FDA is a government body. I'm pretty sure about that. Is that, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure the FDA is a federal thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so their job is to protect the interests of the government. And it's to, it's not necessarily to protect the interests of the people. Like they are supposed to work for us, but in a lot of ways, the government isn't really working for us. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it feels like. Mm -hmm. At the same time, because they're regulating a whole population of people, the FDA has to maintain a certain level of protection for people. Um, I think they too are very invested in the conventional medical model and disease treatment as opposed to disease prevention or disease um, like, you know, the regenerative power of food and water and healthy water and, um, you know, healthy air. Like the government does have a slant towards development and growth. And when you're thinking about people's health, you can't just push development and growth and push development and growth without losing the heart of, you know, taking care of people. So there's that. That's a beautiful point, Dr. Mm -hmm. Abraham. And the one thing I really take in about that is that even on this small platform that I built, this was built because community members needed a voice. Mm -hmm. And many of us who come from third world countries, we surely understand mm -hmm. that the government or people who have higher power, mm -hmm. there is a view or aspect of how they do things and we respect it and honor it and follow mm -hmm. the rules. But there's also a piece of our culture and our own identity that speaks mm -hmm. to that. I can tell you in the Spanish home, Vicks Vaporo mm -hmm. is like a super <laughs> goddess creative <laughs> that we use for everything. Uh, like, yeah. We had a scenario go get the vapor rub <laughs> everything yes and that's why i loved my big fat greek wedding i think it opened up a lot of cultural conversations that i had not encountered before where like greek people apparently they use the windex for everything mm -hmm. and like indian people use turmeric for everything mm -hmm. but like i mean even in my home my mother loved Vicks vapor rub like if it was chest congestion you know any any like abdominal discomfort, neck pain, Vicks VapoRub. And I, I love that. So that's, it's interesting how our communities have also adopted a lot of the same practices. And maybe it's, that's like an American practice. I don't know. Because mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure like the Vicks VapoRub was very heavily marketed. And I oh. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have a few, but let's just keep it at Vicks for this. But <laughs> what, the, the one thing I wanted to talk about is, it, it is very common, and you and you talked about your richness and your culture and herbs, mm -hmm. right? 
Can you speak to some of the herbs that help heal, let's say, a common cold? And many people do not get a chance to look at it, or maybe chest congestion or something to that effect. Are oh, there yeah. are there some of these areas that you are like, oh, this is simple, just go to this. What are what are some of these herbs that we can talk about or think about? Okay, excellent. So as naturopaths, we like to say it depends on the person because it's always different for everybody depending on the symptoms. But for general purposes, you can use NAC very safely. NAC is N-acetylcysteine. And this is something for specifically like chest congestion, mucus buildup in your nose, in your lungs. Um, and people are obsessed with mucus these days, apparently. Like I hear about mm -hmm. it all the time from mm -hmm. people who are like asking for mucus things, supplements to like cleanse their bodies. Um, but NAC is very safe. You could take maybe 600 three times a day if you're in acute, like for acute issues where you're having a lot of mucus. Mm -hmm. um, or follow label directions for the safety, but you can definitely like double or triple that dose during a day and it will help really clear out um, congestion. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because NAC helps both the lungs and the liver. So it also increases detoxification because of the, the sulfur compounds in it. So something else you could do when you're feeling acutely ill is stop eating a lot of dairy because that is like it produces mucus. Stay away from sugar, stay away from caffeine, and then take NAC. Um, you can take other herbs like andrographis and astragalus. Those are beautiful herbs for antiviral illnesses. Um, well, viral illnesses. That's usually what people get when they get sick is a viral illness. So mm -hmm. andrographis, astragalus, great ones. NAC, zinc, vitamin A, vitamin D in their proper dosages. You know, COVID placed us, put put our, you know, nation to to just backpedal in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And we're not over that yet. In many ways, I believe mental health has impacted our schools and learning has also mm -hmm. been impacted. But in your area of practice, mm -hmm. what are some of the common goods that we can get when supplies are limited? Because I know during COVID, people were going for the go-tos like zinc and vitamin C. And mm -hmm. when these things diminish or were or were gone mm -hmm. people went to alternatives can you I name see. some of those can you talk about sure. some of that? sure some of the like some antimicrobial supplements um are berberine so a lot of people are talking about berberine these days but it does have a, a really good effect on um on you know pathogens of any kind so if you have a lot of gut conditions and and you're also having covid it's important to take something like berberine and really and um, like really nuke that place, <laughs> not nuke it, but like mm -hmm. give it a gentle push towards more healthy bacteria and viruses. Like um, berberine's a great one. Astragalus, andrographis, those are both very antiviral. You could try licorice, lysine. those are all. And you are recommending these in tea, just how, mm. do, how do we get these? You can actually do a lot of those in tea. You can do olive leaf in tea, astragalus in tea, in tea andrographis in tea. Um, and then you would drink it several times during the day. If you're doing a tea, you need to keep those herbs circulating in your system. So drinking a glass in the morning or like a glass at night is not going to do it. You want to like keep dosing it, keep it moving, you know, especially if you're feeling if you're feeling ill or you've been around someone who's ill. That's the time to really start 
focusing on like stimulating that immune system a bit. And I want to clarify for everyone that your practice um, accepts insurance and you get referrals just like any doctor would. What's the go-to when someone is searching for a naturopathic provider? Do they begin like we would look for any doctor? Will any type of insurance take it? Can you explain a little bit of that if you know? Sure. Okay. So how you would go about finding a naturopath. So the um, Connecticut does have its naturopathic association. Hold on one second. I'm going to give you the name properly. And we also have that in New York as well, because many of our, of our listeners are probably confined to thinking um, they're limited because they're listening to you, but Mm -hmm. naturopaths are all over the place in New York. Oh yeah. And we will share that information as yes. well. Yes. Oh, okay. So it's the Connecticut Naturopathic Physici- Physicians Association. New York has its own one. It's called the NYAMP. Um, so both of those places are great places to start. So if you go on those websites, you can find a list of naturopaths in your area, especially the ones who are participating in their organizations and supporting their state. Um, so a lot of New York naturopaths don't they don't offer a license in New York so there's no way to be licensed there you can only do medicine out of pocket mm-hmm. for Connecticut they were a little um they were much more receptive to our medicine they let us i mean they they support our initiative to like support the medical system here mm-hmm. and um we can take insurance a lot of a lot of naturopaths do like you just might have to do a little bit of searching on your on your insurance website's page mm-hmm. um you can also like find out-of-pocket naturopaths and a lot of naturopaths do have to and a lot of conventional doctors actually um, are really stopping their insurance associations and it's because we can't really do a lot of the things we want to do and be as thorough as we want because we're under the confines of insurance and i don't just hear this from naturopaths i have heard this from patients who are saying my doctor won't order that for me because the insurance won't cover it Mm -hmm. i'm concerned and i would like to know um, you know, what's happening and they have to wait a long time before being diagnosed because there's so much pushback from the insurance companies, but yes, you can often check your insurance company's website and, um, they will give you a list of naturopaths who participate. Yeah. And in New York, as you mentioned, is the New York association of naturopathic physicians. Mm -hmm. And you can find them at nyanp.org nyanp.org. Can you tell us, do you, and I know that you see adults, but naturopaths do also treat children. Can you speak to that? If you, if you, yes, absolutely. So the clinic I work at, um, it's Placeris naturopathic in new Milford, Connecticut. And I work with a professor of mine. Um, she took me on about three years ago. So that practice is an integrative practice. Uh, I work there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And I see a lot of New York patients. I also see a lot of um, Connecticut patients. And at my practice, there's a great pediatric naturopath. Her name is Dr. Caitlin Stahl. Uh, Dr. Placeris also is a great doctor, great naturopath. And so, yes, people do see children. There are other naturopaths who see children. We have the one doctor up there. She's, um, She's available. And also, if you look up pediatric naturopaths, you will find some. 
And you know, I really like that you shared how how far people are willing to travel mm-hmm. to get their health corrected. And yeah. you know that when we're scurrying for scenarios, searching for doctors, we're willing to travel if we mm-hmm. would need to, just because a family member or even our own health may be at risk. Mm-hmm. Can you speak about some of that acute care, that real chronic kind of illnesses that naturopaths treat, such as cancer and areas of that? With cancer, there's, um, I think the general understanding is integrative treatment. So we do have the, um, yeah, there are a lot of naturopaths who do specialize in cancer and that's important. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many options when it comes to cancer that it can be hard to navigate those things on your own. Mm -hmm. And um, like, it's important to have a naturopath who specializes in it because they will be familiar with all of those options too. Tell us about the best part of your job in doing this work. It's really the, the many hats that we wear. We're like investigators, we're detectives. <laughs> um, we're trying to find out where it started, when it started, how we can help. Um, so we're service professionals who are detectives and we're like therapists sometimes, sometimes not in the traditional sense, but they do offer us a lot of information about what's going on in their lives. And it's because we're asking. Mm-hmm. So I just love the the multidimensional way that we get to know people and we get to help people and we get to look into how the world works, how the body works, how our systems are working. That is my favorite part. And to me, what's fascinating about your line of work is that you are providing us the tools to learn on our own how to manage our own health. Mm-hmm. It, it seems a very, very different than getting a traditional script, mm-hmm. take two of these, do this, do that, versus here are some things that I found in your body or what's going on with your health that's kind of different. And these are areas that you can strengthen. And you talked about the fiber from the nutritional side. You talked mm-hmm. about areas of drinking more water and doing these other things. But so much can be said about your practice. And I think that one of the greatest things is that you are providing us the tools to be our own gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. And that's what, to me, the most fascinating. Have you had any stories that you can think of to yourself, like, without mentioning names, mm-hmm. but a patient that you saw was really in dire straits and somehow, some way, after coming to you in your practice, you saw improvement or success. Can you share some of that if you can recall? Sure. Um, I think it was one woman who came in and was there for a thyroid problem and she had, they were saying that they needed to do surgery on her, on her thyroid. So we checked it out. Um, I, I gave her some basic thyroid supporting herbs and like nutrients really like zinc, selenium, um, iodine in the correct amounts. And she came back a few weeks later and she's like, Oh, it wasn't a few weeks later. It was a few months. It was like three months later. And she just told me like, Oh, I don't know what you did, but my thyroid numbers have like leveled. They're not going to have to do surgery. It's thank you so much. And I was like, you're welcome. I'm glad I could help. Like, thank you for 
wanting to explore your options and wanting to know if you can do a different type of healing for yourself. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that story. You, you, you talked a little bit now, just in your last response about you needed to get the right amount of medication. And I don't know if you could explain a bit to how sometimes we have to understand that this type of practice is tailor-made for us. It's not a specific script that works all of the time. Whether you dilute medicate, can you explain to us a little bit about that? I love that because I love that question because I do have an answer for it. Um, so I feel that a lot of people who come in with thyroid conditions, they they need to be evaluated for their iodine level and they need to be evaluated for their selenium and their zinc levels amongst other things. Iodine, I found it low in so many people that I wonder if all of these, like just slowing of the metabolism comes after years of an iodine deficiency. Like what really happens to your thyroid when it's not getting the full nutrient profile that it, that it really is asking for? Um, so that is one thing that I feel really speaks to the tailor-made aspect of it. It's just understanding that people have other issues and we have to be sensitive and correct about the way we, we ask questions of the human body. And that's like what the real thing is, is asking the right questions about a person's body based on what they're telling you and they, they want you to know. Yeah. And I think that what you're letting us know here is that as, as patients, we need to apply patience when we're trying to get the correct health. Many a times we believe as conventional methods can provide you a relief of a pain or of a scenario, but the long-term or the side effect is something that we're not even looking at. So many a times we have to try to apply this patience Oh. with ourselves and you know refrain from probably googling and trying to figure out without putting the work into oh, yeah. the results can get out so thank you for really letting us know that because i believe um the way that we live is very fast <laughs> yes allow us right yeah to, to kind of do that can you give us some advice of of what you would like us to learn about naturopathic medicine? Mm -hmm. I would like to let people know how that naturopathic medicine is safe. That's what I really want them to know is that like, they're not going into, into an office of a naturopath and getting treated as if they're doing shamanic healing or they're, you know, they're doing voodoo medicine or everything is woo woo and they're not going to get the right treatment. I want them to know that. And I want them to know that it's important in your life that you chase learning and what a doctor, like one of our naturopathic principles is, um, dosare, which is doctor as teacher. And so mm -hmm. what you're saying about patients, learning about your health is really learning about your health. Like you have to be patient with the process of understanding. You have to be patient with yourself. You have to love yourself enough to give yourself the space to learn about something that you don't, you don't know about. 
And so I really like to, <laughs> I love to do dosare. Like I love to talk and teach people. And so it, it does make it difficult to help people help themselves if they're not lifelong learners, if they're not willing to take the time to learn something new. I think that you summed it up so nicely there, Dr. Abraham, and thank you, because I think that as we are learning about trying something that we are not very familiar, we are caught up with the media, mm -hmm. with results of information that we really don't know. Yes. But if I were dealing with something that was difficult and you mm -hmm. provided me the answer, mm -hmm. I will live and die by it, right? So we should also apply that into learning about our own selves and learning the safe ways, the mm -hmm. approachable ways. Because let's just talk frankly, when a, when a person has the common headache, mm -hmm. usually we go into Tylenol. What does that look like for you, the common headache? How do you respond to that? It I have a headache. Like, it depends. It totally depends. And this is what it depends on. Is the headache an everyday thing? Are you popping that Tylenol every day? Or is this a once in a while thing? You have a headache because something. You're having a very tense moment. You're tightening your muscles. You've had a horrible day and you're just stressed out. If it's just that or it's just the common cold and you need something to just make your head feel better, take a Tylenol. I really just don't have a problem with that. Take it with food, make sure you're reading the label directions, take your medicine. But yeah. if this is like a, a headache that's happening every day and there's something that you're not considering, like whether or not you're, eat, you're eating the wrong foods for your body or whether or not you're, you're exercising and then hydrating or exercising and then eating, like, whether, like all of those things are just so important. If that headache is every day, then we need to reconsider the strategy and really go for something more holistic. And I think that you now had me thinking about fatigue, right? Mm -hmm. it's one of the areas that you talked about that you dealt with, but also that you help in that area. When you're dealing with chronic fatigue and you're looking at some of these outliers, you're working at a place that you're not very happy mm -hmm. about working. There's stress that's built from that. Uh -huh. And fatigue now continues to build. What are some of the areas when someone starts to see this fatigue? When when should they start worrying? And how does that kind of go from point A to kind of further down the line? Mm, that's hard. Like, not hard, but that's a challenging case because fatigue is really damaging to the to the social and economic life of people. And so a lot of men and women have managed to find a balance somehow. And I would say like, that's, yeah, somehow they found, they found a balance, but it doesn't mean that their fatigue is, is not happening because still there, there, there's something in their way that's not allowing them to like fully experience energy. Mm. So we need to work on improving mitochondrial health. And even though they're tired, just getting into more um, physical forms of exercise. So it's really important when you're fatigued to exercise. <laughs> I think that's what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. um, I know for myself that exercise has really alleviated a lot of my, my tiredness and grumpiness 
even towards my like work situation or even towards like my wellness situation. Just having exercise in my life calms me. It gives me a lot of um, a lot more pleasure and enjoyment from doing the things that I know I just have to do. Mm. Mm-hmm. There are and there. Here's a question: Are are there any risks associated with naturopathic medication or practice? And what are they? Of course, there's risks, but there's also risks when you get a colonoscopy. There's also risks when you um, get an endoscopy. There's also risks when you take any kind of medication. And that's something that people tell me all the time is like, um, I had a nurse come in and say, like, she was recommended a, a certain type of medication. But as a nurse, she's seen enough people go on that medication and then get cancer that she doesn't want to take it. So when we talk about risk, risk is involved in any investment. People who work with money know that. Like if you put something into something, there's always a chance you're not going to get the same amount back, but there's also a really big chance that you're going to get a huge return. So with naturopathic medicine, I think the return is huge. Like with with conventional medicine, every pill that you buy is just is just stopping the symptoms there. But with naturopathic medicine, when you invest a dollar in that, you're getting like $10 of information. You're basically going to university at that point. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's the real change between these two types of medicine. So risk, of course, like we're going to talk to them about risk and it's much less risk than, you know, doing any kind of pharmaceutical intervention, but doing gentle herb diet therapy, we will tell you exactly if or not you need to be worried about something. And if if someone needs to worry about taking something that we're giving them, then we're not doing our job properly. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you for that great point because I think one of the things people may ask, and we are picky in that way or, or savvy in that way, is it okay for me to go from a naturopathic approach back to medication if I needed it and back off? Yeah. Explain that to us. For a lot of things, we can try an integrative approach. So doing like people can stay on their on on their medication, but we're just trying to help them, you know, manage that medication. And we'll be more aware of what what are the risks of that medication. So rebuilding a person when they're on a medication, if it's depleting them of certain nutrients, how to do that safely. We can recommend dietary interventions to help with those common side effects because there's so much research being done about what helps that all we need to do is just have someone like a naturopath in the middle to get that information and distill it and give it to you and make sure that you know what your risks are. And once again, for me, is the fact that you are letting people patients become authors of their own stories, which I think is fascinating. Um, can you can you talk to us, Dr. Abraham, a little bit about the nutrition side of this? And you talked about using foods earlier, but are there, what are the ways that nutrition is a key component of your practice and how you provide services? Mm, I suppose I try to talk or I really make it I do my best to give a person the right mechanisms with their diet that are going to improve their social, functional, emotional well-being. And um, 
So I really focus on getting people to let go of the mythologies that have existed about food for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, there have been people who have been healed of diabetes using the fruit and rice diet. So um, not being afraid of food, not being afraid of whole food, that mm -hmm. is fundamental. I think that's such a fun and vital part of what I do. And then, you know, getting people to expand their knowledge about even therapeutic diets, like ketogenic diet can be therapeutic. You don't want to be on it forever. I don't think it really does. It can be harmful for some people. So just helping them reorganize their understanding of what's a healthy diet. What do we have the most research about really regarding diet? How do we make diet support your longevity and years without disability? That's, that's how it plays that vital role. We're always talking about it. Like we cannot out supplement a bad diet. If we don't get the right amount of fiber and antioxidants, like we're gonna have cellular damage. That's it's, unless we're addressing that piece, nothing else can really get done. <laughs> Not done, but nothing else can really get um, shaken and loose. You know, I've seen you at work. It's <laughs> It's been amazing to see how how much you enjoy helping people. And I've heard you give recipes on juices and green juice and this and this tea. It's amazing how powerful it is from afar to see people absorb and learn this information and really feel confident about using a natural way to heal. That is like so beautiful to watch from afar and really applaud you the people who provide services like you, because it is a big deal for you to empower people to believe and know that they can do things on their own. What do you do for self-care now that you have all these tips, which is the ones you go <laughs> to for yourself? Oh my God. I love making my bed in the morning. I mm. would say that is a huge amount of self-care. Um, sometimes I, I, love taking care of my body like you know exercise i floss my teeth with the long floss not the picks like i just learned that it's it's better to like get your like floss around your teeth in a c-shape so i it's the lifelong learning really like that i think is um is the self-care that i do is i just keep investing in the things that i love about myself which mm. is that i'm willing to care about others and I should be equally caring about myself. So yeah, my self-care is really caring for myself. Mm, great. <laughs> um, you know, now that I'm thinking of this, had you not been a naturopathic doctor, what, what would you have been in your career? Had that not been, what was your go-to? As a kid, I wanted to be a pastry chef. I wanted to be a psychologist in high school. Okay. Um, I wanted to be a like a medical doctor for a bit. And then I think if I wasn't a naturopathic doctor, I would be like a naturopathic doctor without a license. Like I mm. love naturopathic medicine. I don't think, <laughs> I don't know if I would have been anything else. Maybe a pastry chef or a dancer. I don't know. One of those things. And we talked about, Vicks Vaporub, mm -hmm. you know, being a go-to. Can you share with us a little bit of what you learn from the home side of things, whether it's mom, dad, both, 
about your background that taught you about this work? Because family plays a big role in our own identities when we're doing our work. What is something that you can hang your head on from lessons you learned from mom and beyond? Um, I can really hang my hat on on my dad's history lessons about what the nature of our like spices and herbs and food were. Like I would ask him so many questions and he would tell me about how they preserved things in the winter for the winter or monsoon seasons. He lived in, he grew up in India. Um, or whenever their, their non-fruiting seasons or non-fruit seasons were. So they preserved stuff. They would go out and they would hunt fish and they would, they would jerky it or smoke it. And like they had um, all kinds of fish that they would preserve and cook with turmeric and ginger and spicy things to help prevent the growth of bacteria. I think he told me it was a long time ago. And that just blew my mind because it was where food and science became medicine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so like, just hearing stories from my dad, just hearing stories from my um, like grandparents and just hearing stories about all the ways that they grew up in such a natural environment and how my grandma would do um, like quarterly cleanses, I guess they would. And back in the old day, they were using castor oil like this. They just took castor oil. I'm not promoting it. Please don't think just take castor oil or anything. But um, um, they would do like castor oil cleanses. And then after that, um, his like my dad's mom. And I heard the story from my aunt. My aunt told me that she would like do a big green mix of things. And then like they would eat that for a few like meals or something. They would do a lot of liver and onions. So like just understanding that food is medicine. And I mostly got that stuff from my aunt. Like I just, I'm like, wow, this is the most incredible field. This is the most incredible like life we could live. It's if we could just see food as medicine, like that would be amazing. Well, now speaking of which, I always have conversations with my friends. Like if the doctor ever told me never to eat sweet plantain again, I would have a problem. <laughs> because I love it, right? For you, what are three power power foods that Dr. Abraham cannot do without? What I cannot do without? Yeah. Um, watermelon. Okay. I think watermelon's a power food. It has so much magnesium and potassium. Um, I feel like watermelon. Also, pinto beans. Like, mm. I don't think I could live my life without pinto beans anymore. I love them so much. Um, and then probably chlorella it's, I guess it's not a food. It's a greens powder. You can make, right. But you can make, tell us what you make with it. Oh, you just stir it into things or take it like a liquid. And it is a very concentrated green supplement. And I really like that, but yeah, broccoli. Okay. Yes. <laughs> cauliflower. Yes. I cannot live without cauliflower. Mm -hmm. Um, I love blueberries. I never used to eat fruit, but now I'm a fan of blueberries. I will blend them into my smoothies. I will do, and I can't live without frozen strawberries. I think I've made the switch from blueberry to strawberry. Mm. So in this season, it's strawberry. But shout out I to blueberries. That's an amazing answer because I think that what I would love our listeners to think about is here you are providing good alternative choices, but you're open to sharing your own greats, your own secrets and tips, which I think <laughs> yeah. is a benefit because many of us 
can go to frozen strawberries. We can go to these power foods. And whether we make a smoothie and add all of them, you kind of hit on every note, on every health benefit, on one drink. So that is a plus. Now that we're coming to a conclusion to the end of our show, Mm -hmm. the floor is yours. I want you to just take the platform. Tell us, what do you want our listeners to remember about you? about the practice, about anything that's health-related that really is a big deal for you? Um, for a really big deal, I think my big deal is, shout out to Dr. Placeris, who employs me. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I have learned a lot about the practice and integrating medicine from her. She's, she's been a very big part of my journey. And I just want to give her a shout out. And I hope that you guys will look up the practice. It's a great practice. I practice there. So I am like invested in that vision for integrative medicine that she has. And I hope you'll come visit us. Um, and yeah, don't be afraid of naturopathic medicine. Don't be afraid of food. Don't be afraid of like really eating beans and whole intact grains. I love that for all of you. It is just important to celebrate what we love. So <laughs> I love beans and grains and I thought I'd just like Well, them. thank you. It has been a delight having you on our mm-hmm. show because even as great as you are in your own practice, you symbolize someone else who passed the torch, who is helping you learn. Mm-hmm. And on this platform, I want people to remember that we all are learners at, at some moment and time. But I want us to remember because too often people may label us and try to overlook us and put us in boxes. You heard today that the natural approach puts you in a position of power where you learn to help yourself to be healthy on your terms and on your way. This plight and this fight is for anyone and everyone who feels a need to be understood. We are strong as individuals, but unstoppable when we unite. Tune in, friends, for our next He's Just a Social Worker show coming real soon to a town very close near you. We out. Masque solo. Please note that the views expressed here are my own and not a representation of my employers and clients. Thank you for listening. We're always here for you. Just message us and we'll get back to you within 24 hours. Thank you more than just at he's just a social worker in memory of my mother matilde de la rosa this is dedicated to you mom miss you so much in memoria de mi madre matilde de la rosa esto va dedicado a ti mamá te extraño mucho